0: uh, But Luke chapter number one this morning, Luke chapter number one, as you're turning there, uh, how many of you love your Bibles this morning? We as a family, uh, starting December 1st, we read a chapter of Luke and work our way through the book of Luke uh, through December and uh, the way it correlates and lines up. It's wonderful for the Christmas season, Uh, but we were reading as a family and I was reading the first portion of it, and I thought to myself, I've read this before. I've read this, I've read this multiple times. I know I have. But then all of a sudden, it began to leap off the page. And I'm glad my Bible knows how to speak to me, amen? It knows exactly what we need. But look at Luke chapter number one, verse number one. The Bible says, for as much as many have taken in hand to set forth an order a declaration of those things which are most surely believed among us. Even as they delivered them unto us, which from the beginning we were eyewitnesses and ministers of the word, it seemed good to me also, having had perfect understanding of all things from the very first, to write unto thee in order, most excellent Theophilus, that thou mightest know the certainty of those things wherein thou hast been instructed. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, Lord, we thank you, Lord, for this morning. Thank you for being so good to us. God, thank you for the song service. Thank you for the choir. Lord, thank you, Lord, that we know your name. Lord, your name is absolutely wonderful. It's absolutely amazing. Lord, as I taught in Sunday school this morning, God, you reminded us that your name is unlike as. Like no other, Lord, it is beyond every name that we know. Lord, it's an easy name. It's a simple name. Lord, it flows off of our tongues. Lord, it's easily said and understood. It's a personal name. It's a promised name. We thank you, Lord, this morning that we know your name. And I pray, Lord, this morning as we get into the preaching, would you hide me behind the cross of Calvary? Lord, I want to say thank you for the difference that you've made. In my- thank you, Lord, for rescuing me from Adam's fall. Thank you, Lord, for saving my soul. Thank you, Lord, that those who knew me and know me have seen a change in the difference you've made in me. Lord, it's not my ability, it's not my knowledge and my education, but Lord, it's you working in me and through me and for me. I ask you this morning, Lord, you just simply help us from the Word of God this morning. God, as we prepare our hearts and our families and our homes and our schedules for the Christmas season, Lord, would you give us a fresh set of eyes? Well, let us see the Christmas story as vivid as we've ever seen it before. Lord, help us, Lord, to fall in love all over again with the fact that you came for people like us. Well, we love you. We thank you. And we'll give you the glory and the praise. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. You may have a seat this morning. Thank you so much for standing. And uh, one of the the joys of being a pastor and being involved in the years I have been in children's ministries and, uh, and teaching kids is that, you know, this time of the year there is an expectation. There is a, there is a, a plan that even though it may go unsaid, everybody is like, when are we going to do that? And that question is, when are we going to do the Christmas program? It comes every year. When are we going to do that? And and sometimes it can become routine, right? So we're going to do it this Sunday, and we're going to schedule it out. And sometimes it can become a ritual. Preacher, you can't change the Christmas program. That is not allowed. We voted on it seven hundred years ago, and we're going to do it the same way every year since then. Uh, sometimes it becomes a struggle, right? Because you want it to be different, but not too different. You don't want to. You don't want to make it. You want to make it something new, but not too new, right? You don't want to compromise the integrity of the scriptures to try to kind of make it something that it hasn't been before. You want it to be similar, but not too similar. Right, you don't want to be the same exact thing it was last year. And, and it's truth as long as, as you tell the Christmas story according to the Word of God, there's going to be some things that never change. There's going to be uh, some things that are always going to be there. But the potential roles will always be the same. If you're telling the Christmas story from the Word of God, there's but one Mary and one Joseph. There's one group of shepherds. There's one angel Gabriel. There's one baby Jesus. The roles are always going to be the same. Just the people playing them may be a little different every year. Can I say in my life, I've worked up from just a, an extra of a, of a Roman soldier all the way to Joseph himself. I've, I've played every part in between. I've been the innkeeper. I've been Caesar Augustus. I've been the shepherd. I've been Joseph. The only thing I don't think I ever was was baby Jesus because I missed that boat. Amen. I mean, there's, there's only a certain time frame that you can be baby Jesus, but thankfully I was able to live vicariously through my son one year when he was baby Jesus. And so I was proud of him for that and he'll always be my my favorite son for that reason, amen. Now I'm just playing with you this morning. Now the, the roles will always be the same, the plot will always be the same, the story doesn't change. It's the, the same The same details, the same cities, the, the same people, the, the same actions, the same what if Herod finds them, the same this, the same that. The, the actions might take place at different parts of the state. In essence, you say, well, this year, the shepherds are gonna enter in from that side as opposed to last year when they entered in from that side. We, we've had the manger scene here. We've had it up in the baptistry. We've had it in all of these, it, but the, the, the plot is still the same. The plan will always be the same it'll always end the same in that sense the play will always end the same joseph and mary will safely bring baby jesus into this world and we'll rejoice and we'll be grateful for that and the fact that it's always the same may cause us to struggle artistically but it should encourage you spiritually It should encourage you, and you ought to be glad this morning that the Bible never changes, that God's word is exactly the same and always the same, and the God that wrote it is the same this morning, and we ought to be encouraged by the fact that the story never changes. It should never become just a story or just a play, but it should always be the greatest story that we've ever heard, that God would robe himself in flesh and come to a sinful place like this, to be born of a virgin, to live perfectly, to die, a death he did not deserve on the cross of Calvary to lay in the grave for three days and raise again that resurrection morning and him back to the Father and made salvation possible for you and I this morning. That story should never, ever get old. We should always walk away from it saying, what a story. What a story, what an account. And for the next few Sundays as we work our way to uh, Christmas and Christmas morning on that Monday, we're we're just gonna work our hearts and ask the Lord to help me look at the story that I've heard over and over again. Lord, give me some fresh eyes. God, give me a fresh focus. That way I can walk away at the end of this Christmas season and say, what a story. What a story that is to us. And so as we approach that day, we're going to put some fresh eyes on this old story and ask again, Lord, help me to see what story this is. We'll be doing this on Sunday mornings and Sunday nights. But so preacher, where do we start? Where do we start the story? Well, I think every good story starts. We start with the narrator. You start with the narrator. Preacher, what is a narrator, according to Google, it's a person who narrates something. I thought that is real deep. That's real profound. One who recounts the events of a novel or a story. Now, we've all seen or at least heard the narrator at a play or at a Christmas play. Or uh, They may be off the stage or they may be on the stage. They may be completely unseen. They set the scene. They give us the needed details. They explain and answer the questions. We might have and don't have the ability to ask. They move the play along and, and us with them, they, they keep us up to date with what is going on. They, they're not a character in the story per se, but they are necessary for the story to be told. And so we see this morning that we, we are gonna start with a narrator. Well, exactly what is a narrator? They help the story to move along. Well, let me ask you, who is the narrator? Well, some t- typically, it is someone who doesn't desire the spotlight, It is someone who doesn't mind reading a great deal. It is somebody who's okay with not getting a costume or a curtain call. They have one goal, and that is to make sure the story is told. Can I say, to be honest with you, I always enjoyed being the narrator. Why, preacher? Because that meant I didn't have to memorize anything. They would just give me a piece of paper I'd read off of it and help the story go along. They have one goal, to make sure the story is getting told. You say, well, preacher... Who is the narrator of this story? Well, it's a man by the name of Luke. It's a man by the name of Luke. And he's credited with writing this gospel in the book of Acts. We actually only see his name a few times in the scripture. Matter of fact, twice. He is, he is mentioned by name in the scriptures. In Colossians, we find out that Luke was and is a physician. And not just any physician, Paul said he was a beloved physician. We would say he was a good doctor. He cared for his patients, he cared for those that he examined and watched over. He was the beloved physician. And so that's no surprise that in 2 Timothy chapter 4, when we see his name again, Paul says he was a great companion. He was a good friend, he was faithful to the one and he was faithful to a friend Paul he traveled with him and he cared for him and he he was there for Paul but we also what we what we also know about Luke was this Luke was not one of the 12 disciples Luke did not walk the face of the earth with the Lord Jesus Christ himself matter of fact knowledge he's not a disciple he was actually a convert of Paul more than likely history tells us and uh scholars believe that he was a convert of Paul when Paul went to go preaching, and, and so we know he wasn't a twelve. Notice this: he wasn't even a Jew. Luke was not a Jew. He he wasn't of the line of Abraham. He was outside of the Commonwealth of Israel. Matter of fact, Luke was a Greek. He was a Gentile. And here's what's interesting to me. What a thought that God led a Gentile. Not one of the tribe of any of of Abraham or Isaac or Jacob. None of those twelve sons of Jacob was, but he was a Gentile. He let us tell us the greatest story ever known to man. Now I think Luke definitely fits the bill as a narrator. He's, he's not concerned about having a part. He's not riding himself into the story because he wasn't there. And he wasn't trying to, to get the credit. He said, I'll stand off to the side somewhere and I'll just tell the story of what God has done. And so with Luke as our narrator, let's see some truths about his narration this morning. As the narrator, notice number one, we see he had a plan of his narration the plan of his narration. Look at verse number one, for as much as I've taken in hand to set forth in order a declaration of those things which are most surely believed among us. Now, if we're gonna be completely honest this morning, Luke chapter number one is probably not the most famous chapter of Luke. Matter of fact, you could turn over to chapter number two. That is the most famous chapter of Luke two, especially at this time of the year. Even Linus from the Peanuts quotes Luke chapter number two. (laughs) <laughs> we, we know we know Luke chapter number two you can easily read it and it came to pass in those days that there went out a decree from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be taxed and we could go down and go down we, we know the Christmas story in that sense but here's what's interesting right Luke tells us in chapter one why chapter two even exists. He tells us in, in Luke chapter number one how, why chapter number two is so important. See, Luke had a plan for his narration. What was it, preacher? To set forth in order those things which we believe. It's what he says. For as much as may have taken in hand to set forth in order a declaration of those things which are most surely believed among us. Now, here's an interesting thing about Luke. Luke's gospel is the longest of all four of the gospels. Matthew is, I think, second, but Luke is in word count. He's longer than any of the other gospels. So why was that preacher? Was it because Luke was long-winded? No, he was a doctor. He took detailed notes. He, 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 He didn't miss anything. Let me ask you, would you like to have a doctor that was concerned with the details? Now, the Bible tells that Matthew was a tax collector. And here's what's interesting, you can go to Luke chapter number two, and it's unique in the sense that this is the only account in the Gospels that we get an in-depth look at the birth of Jesus Christ. But Matthew's Gospel mentions it. Matter of fact, Matthew's Gospel says we have the announcement that you shall bring forth a child and his name shall be Jesus he shall save his people from their sins. We find that in Matthew, but the next verse after that says, and he was born. Why would Matthew leave so much? Well, Matthew was a tax collector. He was a numbers man. Just give me the black and the white. Just give me the the essential details. But here is Luke, the physician, who has an understanding of what's going on here and what is taking place, and he pours these details into Christ's birth. How do we know there's no room in the end? Well, Luke wrote it down. How do we know that, they, that he was born at the acceptable time, the right time? Luke writes it down. Here's what—it's interesting. Luke's gospel is the only account of the birth of Christ in detail. It's also the only one that mentions Christ's ascension back into heaven. Here's what's in It, the par- it also is the only one that mentions the, prodigal, the parable of the prodigal son. If you want a detailed account of Christ from arrival to ascension, you turn to Luke's gospel. It is it's a wonderful book. It is detailed, and that was his plan. Luke said, I have a plan, and it is for me to set forth and to put in order those things that we surely believe, and the one that we surely believe is Jesus Christ. He said, I want to give everybody and anybody who will read this account everything they should know about Jesus, from his birth to his life to his death to his resurrection, and then ultimately to his ascension back to heaven. It's all found in Luke's narration. So we see he had a plan. Let me ask you, how detailed are you when it comes to your Bible? How detailed are you when it comes to your Bible? How deep do you go in your Bible? Or you could ask it this way. How deep does the Bible go in you? Is it just a quick, I've got to read it real quick. I've got to get through my yearly plan. I've got to hit a few verses. Or do you stop and say, all right, Lord, these words are not here by accident. These, Lord, these words have a purpose and a reason for my life. And Lord, don't let me put this blessed book down until I realize what you have for me. How detailed is your plan? Then we see the plan of his narration. Notice this, number two, we see the Procedure of his narration. Well, if Luke didn't walk with Christ, and if Luke wasn't one of the original 12 disciples, and if, if Luke wasn't even from Jerusalem, and he wasn't a Jew, how in the world did he get these accounts? How in the world did he get these stories, per se? How did he, how did he, how did he understand, and know? now the Bible does tell us that the men were moved by the Holy Spirit of God. I believe my King James Bible isn't just a good book. I believe it's infallible, it's inspired, and it's perfect this morning. That God breathed and used holy men of old to pin down the eternal truths of God's word. I firmly believe that this morning. But history tells us, and scholars have said, that Luke began a journey at some point in his life And he began to put together this record of the events of Christ's birth, life, death, and resurrection. Well, how in the world did Luke do that? Most believe that Luke began a journey where he'd go and find people. And he'd listen to their story. He'd listen to their account. He would would say, tell me what happened that day. Tell me what it was like. Tell me what you were feeling. Tell me what you experienced when Christ came by your way. Could you imagine the difficulty in the challenge that must have been? How do you know? preacher? look at verse number two. Even as they delivered them unto us, which from the beginning were eyewitnesses and ministers of the word. Luke got his his sources, Luke got his information. He didn't just get it from the ministers of the word, those who were preaching the word of God. By the time Luke came around, Mark's gospel was already complete in being preached and taught around that area. But here comes Luke and Luke said, I'm not only gonna take what is being taught to me, Luke said, I'm gonna go find those and have an eyewitness conversation with them. Tell me what you've seen. Can I say nothing's really changed in 2023? You know what people need to hear and people need to see? They don't need to hear people talk about the word of God. They need to hear from your own mouth what God has done for you. Preacher, I'm going to bring them to you. Preacher, you talk to them. I'm not against that this morning, but can I say God has given me a testimony just as much as he's given you one. And so you ought to just encourage yourself and say, I'm going to tell somebody what Jesus has done for me. But we see the procedure of this narration. Could you imagine how difficult it must have been to to, to hunt some of these people down and to to come in contact with them? Could you imagine Luke has begun his journey and he's working his way through the different lands and he finds the man he's been looking for and he said, hey, I I heard you were one of John's disciples. Could you tell me about John? Could you tell me how he preached and, and how he taught and how he stood and... I could see a smile come across their face. Oh, John was something else. John didn't play with that. Joke was out there in camel skins eating honey and wild locusts and, and he would rear back, preach his tonsils to the back wall and just tell them repent or perish. Then I remember when John got out of the way because Jesus came along and John sat down and said, there he is, behold the Lamb of God that taketh away the sins of the world. One of Luke found Mary and said, Mary, could you tell me about that night the angel came? Could you tell me what it was like, how you was, you was just a little maid and you, was, you had all these life plans and you had all these great dreams with Joseph and, and all of a sudden Gabriel showed up and gave you that wonderful... Could you tell me what it was like? And I could see him as she's talking, just pinning it down. Matthew. Could you tell me what it was to be sitting at the booth of the tax collector and taking those people's money and Jesus just called you? Why would you leave, Matthew? Because I knew he was real. And I knew he could do far more for me than I could ever do with Rome's tax dollars. What about trying to find that centurion? Luke tracks him down and said, Could you tell me about that time you had that servant that was sick and you purposed in your heart to get to Jesus because you knew as a man of authority he could do something? (laughs) Could you tell me what it felt like when Jesus pulled you out from the crowd and pointed out to everybody that there was no greater faith in all the land than the faith that you displayed? He's getting story after story after story. He maybe found that father whose demonic son had been healed. Could you tell me what it was like when you realized that all those other men could not do only what Jesus could do? What about the parables? <laughs> well, I could see him. Makes his way to, I think it's Jericho. Finds the home of Zacchaeus. Good afternoon, Mr. Zacchaeus. <laughs> Could you tell me about him? And he begins to pin these things down. What about Joseph of Arimathea? Joseph, you had everything. You even had your funeral planned. You had the perfect spot, a, a wonderful tomb outside of Jerusalem. Why'd you give it all up? And Joseph said, because I loved him. And he was worthy and worth it. What about the centurion at the cross? Could you describe to me, sir, what it was like to see the very son of God bleeding and dying on a cross for your sin? And Luke's writing these things down. Come to the end of his account and he's tracked down those Emmaus disciples. We argue about who they were. Baptists argue about whether they them, whether they this, whether they who. Luke knew who they were. Look at him and said, could you tell me, could you tell me what it was like in that moment when the Lord raised his hands to make the blessing over the bread and you knew it was him? Could you tell me what it was like as he preached to you alone? What a message that must have been. The greatest preacher to ever live, preaching about the greatest message that one could preach, preaching to somebody, two people who really were just confused and discouraged. And Jesus came preaching about Jesus. That would have been a message to hear, Amen. And the procedure of his narration, he, he goes and he finds these stories and he listens to them, he writes them down. And one scholar said that more than likely him and Paul would go back and forth to see if they lined up and they matched up. And then the Holy Spirit begins to move in. and begins to in. Luke, that's right. That's exactly how it happened. Put it in the book. Set it in order, Luke. Put it exactly where it needs to be. Let me ask you this morning, what if he'd come to you? What if Luke came to you and said, Could you tell me what Jesus has done for you? Could you tell me about the day when he came until you? could you tell me how you served him? Could you tell me how he's miraculously uh, uh, provided for you and done what you could not? Could you tell me about that plea? What would you have to say? We see the plan of his narration. We see the procedure of his narration. Verse number three, we see the presumption of his narration. Well, I'm using big words, ain't I? I was jotting down some notes last night, and I mean verbally looked at my wife and said, how in the world did I miss this? How in the world have I never seen this before? Look at verse number three. It about made me cartwheel, but I'm too big. I don't want my kids making fun of me. Look at verse number three. It seemed good to me. I read that, and man, it just hit me like a ton of bricks. Nobody commissioned Luke to this task. Nobody hired Luke to this task, per se. Verse number three, he said, it just seemed good to me. It seemed like a good idea to do this. Well, hold on a second, Luke. Did did you run that by the brethren? Did you ask the brethren for their permission? Did you okay it with your mission board? Did you get approval from the deacons? Luke, (laughs) did your pastor tell you that you have to do this? Luke said, no, it just seemed like a good idea. It seemed like something that would be beneficial. (laughs) Talk about an understatement, right? (laughs) A good idea, I think this is a wonderful idea. Matter of fact, the, the... Portions of Scripture that we turn. Listen, if you've ever been a prodigal and God's ever called you back and put you back into the fold, or kept you from going out into a crazy world, you ought to think Luke had a good idea. <laughs> if you ever rejoiced in some Bible, if you've ever thought, "Man, that's a wonder! I'm so glad Jesus was born of a virgin in a little town called Bethlehem, and He lived and He died for me," you ought to thank God that Luke had a good idea. That it seemed like a good idea. Here's, here's look. If I collect the data and then publish the data, others will be able to know what I know. <laughs> Let me ask you this morning, does it still seem like a good idea to you to read your Bible with the presumption to help others? See, so many times we get in our Bible, Lord God. Give me, give me, give me, give me, give me, give me. And I'm glad this morning he can provide all of our needs. I'm glad this morning he can lead us to the right verse at the right time in the right moments of our life. But sometimes we got to step back out of the Lord, give me so I can enjoy it, to Lord, give me so I can share it. Luke has put miles upon miles upon miles on those sandals that he's wearing and it's not just for his benefit it was a good idea to him but really it was for the encouragement of the other saints he said it seemed good to me having had perfect understanding of all things from the very Paul in essence Luke said it was a good he said I understood what was going on when Paul came and preached and taught he said it clicked I got it I understood it then he goes on to say to write unto thee in order Luke said it was a good idea. My idea is to take what God has given me and what God has shared with me to put it in order to help you. The presumption of his narration was a good idea. Notice number four this morning. We see the purpose of his narration. Verse number three right there. Into it. We get, we get a name. That's one of those Bible names that most people don't know. Most excellent Theophilus. Let me ask you and tell me this morning who you ever heard of Theophilus? His name doesn't run all, roll off your tongue. When we talk about great Christians, no one says Theophilus. Matter of fact, we really don't know much about this fellow Theophilus. But here's the interesting thing. We know what his name means. We see not only the Theophilus, but look at verse number four, that thou mightest know the certainty of those things wherein thou hast been instructed. He said, I had a good idea. That I would get all this stuff together and write it down and put it into a record. That way you could have a record to check your instruction by. To go back and to say, well, this is what the preacher told me to do and what I should do, but what does God's Word say to do? And can I say when the preacher's, what the preacher's preaching lines up with the, with the, what God's Word is saying, the best thing you and I can do is do what the preacher's saying to do. Do what the authority in your life is saying, hey, this is what you ought to do, and you check it with the word of God, and God agrees with it. The best thing you can do is say, I'm going to do that, because the instruction lines up with the record. Therefore, it is something that needs to be done. Well, what was his purpose? Well, we see it was to be delivered to a person, Theophilus. His name means a friend of God. Some believe that it was just a title or a, 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 a name that, that Luke used in a general sense, and some believe it was a person that he knew. But his name means a friend of God. So, preacher, who do we share with? What is the purpose? Who, who we as well we're to share with the friends of God? Well, how many glad that we have a place where we can come together as friends and enjoy what God has said to us and rejoice and to grow and to, to, to learn and to teach and to help and to encourage and to strengthen. We're all friends here. Those who are friends of God. Well, if we share with the friends of God, who else? Those who we want to be friends of God. Those that we desire to for God to change their life like he's changed ours, therefore we share what God's word says. Not only to be delivered to a person, but to deliver a certainty, verse number four. That which has been instructed would line up with the record. So they could know that they know. These things have I written unto you that ye may know. I'm glad this morning that Luke had a good idea. I'm glad this morning that Luke was willing to be a narrator. He didn't write himself into Bethlehem ride himself to Cal, into Calvary he didn't write himself to the resurrection morning he didn't write himself into the ascension but he went and found those who were there and went and found those who had experienced and said tell me your story because not only do I want I believe every word of it Paul told me all about it and I believed everything he was preaching and I believed everything he was teaching and just tell me about it so those who come after us can know that what really happened can I say this one we ought to be doing the same we ought to be doing the same, delivering a certainty to a lost and dying world. You know, right now, we're in church this morning. We've got Christmas decorations up. We've got big plans around here. You know, right now, this morning, probably not too far from here, there's somebody who's on the edge of life. There's probably somebody this morning who they don't get up and get ready for church. They don't turn on gospel music. They don't, they don't put their nice clothes on. They don't go to the house of God ready to worship. They get up on Sunday morning hoping to make it, to make it the next Sunday. They get up wondering if life is going to ever change, if things are ever going to get better. Is there any hope? And you and I have the record this morning. And we don't only have the record, but we have the instruction to go and preach the gospel. So we ask ourselves, where is our purpose? Is it just just for you, personal gain, or is it for others too this morning? Luke could have very easily took those stories put them in a book and sold them and made a great profit off of it. But no, he said, I I went through a great effort. I had a good idea. It cost me a whole lot. It wore me out. He couldn't hop on a jet and go from one place to the next. I've never rode a donkey anywhere. And it sounds uncomfortable. Here he is going around the, the land and going around from place to place and getting these accounts. And really, it's submitting the faith that he already has. But he's not doing it for Luke. He's doing it for Theophilus and those who need to know. Let me ask this morning, what are we doing? Are we playing our role as the narrator? It's not about me. It's not about credit. I may not get a, may not, the lights may not come on me. I, I may not get a name tag in a certain position, but I have a story to tell. And I need to make sure that it gets told. We see the narrator this morning. And what part are you doing as the narrator in your life? Let's all stand this morning, every head bowed, every eye closed.